Hey, listeners, Jeff Cross here. Uh, I didn't want you to have a podcast withdrawal, so before we say goodbye to 2019, we decided to put together this special bonus episode, which will recap some of our favorite moments from season one. So I hope you're ready. Let's kick it off with our inaugural episode, which was with John Pace from IT Direct. Uh, first off, I have to get this off my chest. This episode was a bit nerve-wracking, being the first episode we've ever produced. Uh, but ironically, it was our most listened to episode as of today. So despite the nerves, I guess it, I guess it went well. Um, I can't say I'm surprised as it was packed with great leadership advice on performance management and how to create an exceptional workplace culture, hot topics. Um, and that's where uh, this uh, following quote stemmed from. You spend more awake hours with your coworkers and, and in your job than you do with your families at home. And so how do you make that worth it, right? And the culture is part of that, right? So um, really getting in tune with what makes people feel important is big, right? Like uh, to one of the conversations we talked about earlier, like the performance reviews and all these antiquated things that just don't really help someone on the day-to-day level, right? So um, you know, how do you create an environment where people love coming to work every day? I think that should be priority number one. Um, on top of that, when, when you have an environment where everyone loves coming to work every day, they feel like they're part of a bigger purpose, um, which really becomes like their purpose over profits. And when you find that they have this purpose and this value that they're contributing back to their team, the profits are literally going to follow right behind it anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The focus on the front end and the back end will always be there, you know, taking care of Really enjoyed that quote, and it speaks volumes to the type of leadership IT Direct has put into place and how successful they've been because of it. Next up, we turn to episode number two with Mary Gambardella from Wigan and Dana. And Mary and I covered the Me Too movement and its impact on organizations, not only in Connecticut, but across the country. Uh, Our favorite part was Mary's advice she gave at the end to wrap up the episode. Here it is. It's not a matter of if, it's when. If you have one employee, one employee, two employees, three employees, or 3,000 employees, you will have to defend against a claim of some type. And one of the hardest types, one of the most expensive types, is sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. And it's too easy, in my view. Now, some employers may say, she's nuts. There's nothing easy about this. But to me, all you have to do is have a policy and think about the process. Who would we have to be the designated recipient of this type of complaint or any type of complaint? Mm. And who we have to come in and investigate? Yep. And that to me is easier, much easier than the alternative. Next up, we had Tom Lacasia from HealthJoy. Uh, this episode really embodied what we are all trying to do in the employee benefit space, and that is make the employee experience easier. All, uh, all capital letters, bold, underlined, easier, simplify. Our goal here at One Digital is to, to do just that, to simplify the healthcare journey. And Tom sums up how technology can aid in these efforts with this quote. But think about the person sitting in that meeting going, oh great, another website to go to, another app to download. Quite honestly, it's confusing for them and it's not the experience they're looking for. They're looking for that Uber-like, that Amazon-like experience. 
where you know you go to a site and you're being guided and directed. This is what you bought before. This is what other people are buying. Just click on the button. And it's intuitive. And it's intuitive. Yeah. And it and it really guides the person along to an end result. And by clicking on a button, a, a package will show up. In this case, in their doorstep. But it could be something else. It could be searching for a car. That never happens at your house. So you never get any packages at your at your doorstep. So so the joke that I like to tell is: 25 years in the industry, always worked in an office setting, mostly on the carrier and and the brokerage side. Been with HealthJoy for about three months now, and I work remotely. And without fail, the doorbell rings every day, <laughs> and it's either a package from from Amazon, Zappos, or Whole Foods. My wife is a healthy eater. We have four kids, two in college, and I say, "Honey, what about our budget here?" And she goes, "Oh, it's so easy. Tell me what other people are buying, what other people bought before. I get emails. I click on the button. It shows up. It saves me time and money." That's literally the experience people want, Absolutely. even in our industry. Yeah. And unfortunately, it doesn't exist today. Mm -hmm. This is the opportunity we saw with HealthJoy, and this is, the, this is experience we want to bring into our industry as well. And on that same note, Spencer Sands from JellyVision jumped on the podcast to talk about open enrollment and how we as brokers, HR managers, employers, et cetera, we need to have less jargon and be more human in how we're communicating uh, benefits to our employees. So we all know how confusing insurance and healthcare can be. This really ties in with the goal to improve the employee experience and make employee benefits human again, as I said. So here's one of our favorite quotes from that conversation. Um, you know, another piece is really just kind of, you know, just dropping a lot of that jargon. Um, you know, HR professionals like yourselves and a lot of the HR teams that we work with, they're privy to the knowledge that is human resources, CDHP with copay and, you know, you name it, all really they're jargon heavy pieces that to the average employee, I mean, they might as well read it, be reading a different language backwards for the first time and saying, hey, make a really important decision about your benefits. So really stripping it down and taking the less is more approach will be huge. And getting away from, again, benefits-heavy jargon and speaking to employees in simple terms will really also help empower those employees to not only pick the right plans, but to appreciate their benefits even more. Moving on to yet another topic that has created quite the buzz in 2019, and that is Connecticut paid family leave, which goes into effect in Connecticut in 2021. And we actually talked about also Massachusetts paid family leave. Connecticut is right on the heels of, of Mass. Uh, with this type of legislation. Anyway, we had Rich Lombard and Jeff Wasco from Guardian. Uh, they joined us to discuss how this new law is going to impact organizations across the state and what employers need to, to know today to be better prepared in the coming years. A best practice that we've seen uh, based on New York and now Massachusetts and again soon to be Connecticut is you don't want to be waiting until the very end. It's like sitting in rush hour traffic which no one wants to do, including me. Yeah, yeah. It, but you're sitting, waiting in line with everybody else. You really want to get in front of outsourcing uh, and talking through how does your benefits program need to change and adapt to attract and retain employees and deal with the uh, absenteeism that will result as of from PFML, people using the benefit. So more to come on paid family leave as Connecticut lawmakers work to finalize the law. And, and as we discussed in that episode, it's, uh, it's fluid still. Um, this next quote came from our episode on multi-generational workforces, something we've heard uh, all about. And if you haven't, you're probably living under a rock at this point because we're all talking about millennials and, and all, and all the, the different generations that are in the workforce today. 
So I had Eric and Emily, two colleagues of mine, come in and, and they helped tackle how these workforces are impacting benefits and the trends that we're seeing across organizations due to the multi-generational workforce. In this part of the episode, Eric digs into a personal example to help demonstrate the perception of benefits. A recent experience I had, so my dad, uh, he's 59 at this point in time, and my brother, who's 25, my brother just finished his degree in occupational therapy. He's getting a job, real job for the first time in his life. And my dad's, you know, 59, really values the benefits. Both of them, and I love them dearly, completely clueless when it comes to the total cost of health insurance. So they compare it to say, hey, my brother's name is Ryan. And uh, Ryan goes, yeah, it's going to cost me $25 weekly for my benefits. And my dad goes, wow, that's a really good deal. That's really cheap. I'm like, well, $25 for what is the biggest question, right? Oh, you guys, you get cheap benefits, it sounds like. That's really good. <laughs> and my, my dad's coming from the perspective of it costs something like $250 every other week for his benefits. But he's not considering the fact that he's right now as a family plan. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what style plan he has, whether it be this platinum style or the bronze yeah, style. Yeah, dad's plan, right? I am not. Thank you for asking that. <laughs> and, um, and then you have my brother who says, well, $25, isn't that pretty good? Right? Yeah. You wouldn't say to someone, hey, $12 for peanuts. That's a pretty good deal, right? You'd be like, you, your first question would be like, well, what kind of peanuts? How, How much? much? How many peanuts? Right. <laughs> Where are you buying them? Is that at uh, Fenway Park? Yeah. Or is that 50 pounds of it at uh, you know, Costco? Or a lifetime supply. You'd ask those questions, right? right? And so I, I think we oftentimes, when we communicate benefits, people are very clueless because of the lack of transparency mm. around understanding, well, what is that total cost? So if I, if I'm an employer and I'm communicating these benefits, I really want to put into perspective what on average is a standard plan look like? So how good is this goal plan relative to peer organizations that offer health insurance programs and provides perhaps some benchmarking data? So employees like understand like what, how does this plan compare to the average plan that's out there? That's step one. And then two is what's the total cost of this plan? How much does this total thing cost? And then how much is the employer paying? versus what the employee paying. Yeah. And then how does this compare to like market averages, whether it be industry specific or just employers perhaps in the area. Right. Providing that perspective, because everyone knows what they should maybe pay for a pack of, a small pack of peanuts. Right. So you got an idea, maybe it's a dollar, two dollars, depending on where you are. But people truly don't understand what that, the total cost of a health insurance plan is. And I think it's incumbent on employers to communicate that in simple terms of employees understand the full picture. All right, next up, one of my personal favorite episodes, the millennial episode. We paneled our millennials in the office to get a better understanding uh, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, as to what they truly want from employers and what they were looking for when applying to jobs. Here's one major item that's on a lot of millennials' minds right now. I wanted to go back to what Matt said about student loan repayment. So obviously that would be like the best benefit for any of us to receive, you know, because we're all coming out of school with loans. But if that's something that an employer can't offer, then helping us save money is another option because because we're paying off our loans, we can't save as much money towards our 401k or towards, say, an HSA. So if an employer is able to fund more into our 401k, so that way we can focus on paying off our loans quicker, then I'd say even that would be a great benefit to have. Yeah, I would say that was one of the top benefits that I was looking for was my 401k matching. So if you match whatever I put in, that's great because that's gonna like benefit me in the long run. 
Next up, we had Sarah Tarka, our workforce health consultant, and my colleague at One Digital. And Sarah was here to talk about how employers can get the most out of their health and well-being program. I teed up this response by asking Sarah what the business case would be for making well-being part of the overall business strategy for an organization. And here's what she had to say. I, I think that's easily recognizing the opportunity for performance and productivity. Yeah. You know, that well-being now, that's, that's really what it's about. It's looking at this as a business initiative, as a business opportunity, and understanding that value proposition. So what the HR team, if they're presenting it, is really looking at the industry data that's out there mm -hmm at this point is, is really irrefutable. I mean, you have so much data that shows a well-done strategy in the well-being space can absolutely increase engagement, and we know that engagement leads to higher performing and higher highly productive employees, but you have to build that strategy. So the HR person you know, can look to the industry standards that are out there and really identify those value drivers that align with their core business values. And then you make the case, you know, fairly easily because it's once you start looking at performance and productivity, there aren't very many people that would say, yeah, a, a well employee is when they come to work feeling well and feeling that they can perform, then the business is the one that's going to benefit where they're going to be higher more producing employees when they feel better, when they're not distracted by poor health or, or other issues that are going on outside of work. And last, but certainly not least, uh, my buddy and good pal from back in my high school days, believe it or not, Ron Theriault, uh, he came in and helped recap 2019 and, uh, and he gave us his take on what employers should be looking out for in 2020 as well. I think this hands down was my favorite quote of the entire season from Ron. Take a listen. Yeah, the number, I, if, I, if I haven't mentioned it a couple of times before, I think the number one thing people should, or, or employers should take away from this, this podcast today is um, complacency is not your friend, right? There, there is a myriad of opportunities on the healthcare side to save money mm -hmm. and opportunities for strategy, new strategies, nuances to strategies that you've already used. Um, so, so challenge yourself, challenge your advisor, um, so, so that you're not, uh, you're not being complacent and that you're, you're always putting your, uh, your benefits uh, in, in the forefront. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. Hope you found these quotes as impactful as I did. And uh, I'm really looking forward to season two in 2020. I'm Jeff Cross, and this has been a bonus episode of Friends with Employee Benefits and HR.